Hello, and welcome to Wands and Fronds, the weekly podcast where we cover magic, herbalism, and more. I'm Nick. And I'm Shannon. And we are your co-hosts. And so this week I'm doing, uh, it's it's a bit of a, a combo one. Um, so it's like a continuation of our magical creature segment. So I will be talking about nightmares, the magical creature, and also sleep near Odin's terrifying eight-legged horse. Uh, yeah, love that fucking arachnid horse. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, so I'm talking about kind of like a heavy hitter herb. I don't work with it much, like full disclosure, but Angelica Archangelica or Angelica root, which I know is a big deal for the people who do work with it. It's like on my list, I just... I work with a lot of herbs. Haven't quite gotten to this one yet. Um, But of course, if we're talking about nightmares and dreams and all things like sleepy, I've got to talk about the God of dreams himself, the Greek God, the one who invites you to wake up out of the matrix, Morpheus. Ooh, ooh, this is going to be fun. I know. And I love um, these kind of, how every time we do one of these like nocturnal themed episodes, we're recording kind of late at night so it's like our little our little like sleepover vibe oh yeah it's like I've got my candles it's 7 30 in LA but that means it's been dark for like two and a half hours because daylight savings time hits hard here oh sure Uh, so it's good it's really good but I'm excited I feel like it's like we're in the dark half of the year it's like the Catonic deities are like having their moment I feel like after daylight savings time ends I feel like that's when it really, to me, like feels like the dark half of the year. So yes, this is the timing feels right for this one. And honestly, it's one of those things where it's like, everyone's like, oh, I've been going to bed so early because it's getting dark. And I'm like, I'm staying up till four. I love it. Yeah. Keep me in the dark, please. I love the dark. I mean, I always go to bed early because I'm an old lady. Uh, But, you know, it's just... It's just going to bed when it's been dark longer, I guess, for me. My bedtime doesn't really shift a lot. For me, the biggest thing is like, it's also bath season again, because it's very hard to take baths over the summer because I don't hate myself. (laughs) Um, We also don't have like central air in most like Southern California homes and like apartments and stuff. So like there's not air conditioning in my bathroom. So like when it's really hot, baths are a no-go, but it's like, it's bath season. It's getting into like the fifties at night. We had like a little hot snap, but we're going to come back out of it. And so it's like, for me, it's like turning down all the lights and like lighting candles and doing those like bath time meditations and like talking to Hecate and like skeleton keys and crossroads. It's like, this is that time. Oh, oh my God. Everyone's been on this crossroad shit lately. It's that time. It's like Scorpio season is Hecate season and Crossroads season. I 100% can feel it. It's so good. It's so good. So I'm really excited. I'm like, this is going to be a fun one. Fortunately for everyone, I think this will be a little shorter than our sort of like (laughs) uh, marathon episode last week. I mean... I mean, to be fair, it was about the moon. So we we had yeah. a lot to talk about. And, and mugwort. Like, we covered two, like, pretty intense topics. Yeah. In respect, that was quite the idea to do that all at once. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think this will be a little bit more relaxed for you guys. But Nick, I'll let you take it away. Yeah, we're going to dive right in. So um, when we're talking about nightmares, we are not specifically just talking about bad dreams in general. We're kind of talking about the the magical creature 
the nightmare, just to kind of start off here. So um, the idea with that is that if you've ever like woken up in like a sweat and you feel like you've been doing a bunch of shit in your sleep, or maybe you're like waking up with a pounding heart or like anxiety, that is the, 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 the legend has it that you have been visited by the nightmare. Um, and this is one of those, so it kind of is like a crossover with the very first magical creature we did, which was uh, Succubi and Incubi, where it does share a lot um, of features with what medically would be described as sleep paralysis. Um, and so in that, so there's a couple different versions, actually. So this is one of those legends that um, comes to us from presumably Saxony, okay. you know, like the middle of fucking Europe. Um, so there's a French version, there's a German version, and then there's the, the English speaking version, the nightmare. Um, so night, obviously nighttime, it has to do with dreams. Mare is a horse. And uh, the really funny thing is, is that the demon, sometimes it's a demon, is like riding you like a horse. Like sometimes they would even say that there's like a, a saddle um, and they're like sitting on your chest, like riding you like a horse, which everyone got to watch me uh, pantomime riding a horse. If you're on the Patreon. Yeah, I watching feel like the video. that the sensation for that tracks, but the visual of that is horrifying. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's kind of like um it's a little weird uh yeah, yeah not as sexy as the the succubus incubus uh but a similar no. a similar motion though um but no so so riding you like a horse like uh, straddling your chest and like weighing down on you that's the thing it's like the weight of it is what's like keeping you sleep paralyzed but then also so some versions of the nightmare or the 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 mythical creature, the nightmare, uh, would say that you were lit. It's more like you actually are riding a horse. So, um, you know, a lot of a lot of people back then, and I mean, a lot of witches now actually think that part of dreaming is like your spirit leaving your body, right? And so, what they had believed was that when you're dreaming, your like spirit is going on this journey, and part of that uh, is that the the demon, it takes the form of a horse and you have to ride the horse all night. And that's why you wake up like tired and sweaty. Um, I mean, still stressful, but less creepy than being ridden by it. Yeah, you're, you're, so, so in some versions, you're being ridden like a horse by like a succubus or incubus style demon. And sometimes the demon is a horse that you have to ride all night. And then that kind of evolves into it's, so it's kind of like witch hunt hysteria, obviously. So we have to think like 1500, 1600s is when this really comes into the forefront as an idea. Um, is that the reason you're riding a demon horse all night is that a witch is making you do her bidding, um, which I think is the best explanation for I mean the nightmare. I also want to know, like, where do I get to sign up for this, like, witch courier service that we get to just, right. like, send people on our bidding? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and it's like, uh, I I got a lot of shit on my plate. Like, please. Yeah, I would. Can you go buy stamps for me today? Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, but the interesting thing, I think, too, with the nightmare uh, 
is also like the uh, the French version, the the cauchemar, um, which definitely is it's like a shape shifting thing. So sometimes it's a horse, sometimes it's a badger for some fucking reason. Um, badger, 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 yeah. badger, so, badger, mushroom, mushroom. So I, you know, I kind of like the shape-shifting version. And then there's like the German version too. And the German version, uh, the Nachtmare, um, definitely is like the horse version, which is why it still has the mare part of it. And it um, sounds scarier because <clears throat> it's in German. Because it's in German. Um, but in that one, it's actually the witch herself is a shapeshifter um, who turns into a demon horse. And then you do the bidding of the witch while the witch is in horse form. I'd like to sign up for this. I do think it's interesting that like the the witch, the like, I guess, creature itself is the shapeshifter in this one, because we'll talk about it a little bit with Morpheus, but like Morpheus is also like a shapeshifting deity as like the god of dreams. So I think that's interesting. I, I think that's, I mean, it's one of those things that comes up a lot with folklore related to dreams because things shapeshift in your dreams you know it's like if you look at something and then look away and then look at look back at something uh that's a way that they will tell you to do lucid dreaming um yeah so like clocks for instance tend to be fucky when you're yeah. when you're dreaming like if you look at a clock you look away you look back it's a different time it might even be a different clock and that's yeah i think there's like that shape-shifting aspect of it and then there's also the thing where like I can definitely see how you get to the idea that this is like something else impersonating people, you know, because it's like, we all know that weird sensation in a dream where it's like, I was in my old house, but it wasn't my old house. Or like I was right. with my best friend, but they weren't my best friend. It's like, right. it's this oddly specific dream thing, but every single person knows exactly what I'm talking about when I say that. So I'm like, I totally get the idea that this is some sort of creature or being like impersonating things like to me yes. that logic makes so much sense well and sort of the idea too with the nightmare so well, I, I kind of wanted to look at like why it's a, a little bit different than a succubus or an incubus because they're a related class of demon um and whereas the succubus or incubus is sucking the life out of you the the nightmare is kind of using you to achieve its own ends. I, I mean, it's a similar thing, but it's like your your spirit, like your astral form is like working. Like so it's you're like- You're the vessel. It's like manual labor on a spiritual level. So you're, uh, so it's a little different than just having the life sucked out of you via fucking. Um, and I would say it just seems a lot more practical uh, to just have someone else doing stuff for you. But also yeah. there, there's like an inception there's an inception quality to the the folklore of the nightmare as a creature in that when someone did something, sometimes they would blame it. They, they would find a way to blame. So you do something weird or you do something, you commit a crime even, and you go to court and you're like, well, a witch sent a nightmare to make me do it. Um, and then that's kind of like, like a get out of jail free card because they'd rather kill some old lady who lives on the edge of town than you know i mean depending on who's doing the accusing but um if you're just like oh a witch made me do it a witch sent a nightmare and made me do this because 
yeah. obviously and then and then they'll just go kill an old lady and that's um that's the middle ages for you i mean the middle ages the now ages i mean yeah it's so easy to just uh blame it on a kooky old lady probably a widow and just call it call it a day um but so i i kind of wanted to just you know clue people in so this has been a very long week for me my cat got all of his teeth pulled uh speaking of nightmares um and this is one of those things where it's like i made a mistake so we were talking about nightmares and what i was thinking actually uh is based on a book by nancy farmer called the sea of trolls which is a great young adult book uh you know if y'all have kids i would say kids older than 10 would be fine to read it but it's it takes place in like anglo-saxon england on the verge of getting invaded by vikings um and it takes place in a lot of the mythological worlds of norse mythology and in that book what they call a nightmare is actually the eight-legged horse sleep near that is odin's mount and so I was actually planning on talking all about that today. So that's, but the fact of the matter is um, not just a shit ton of info about nightmares, like the incubus succubus style nightmare or sleep near. Um, there's like the origin story of sleep near, which is I, we, we discussed when we talked about Loki, but Loki is sleep near's mom yeah. uh, because we know Loki is a shapeshifter and uh, minus the bestiality thing, uh, a bi icon because yeah. shapeshifted into a lady. I mean, I guess it also becomes the question of like, is it still bestiality if Loki is in the shape of that animal? Is it bisexuality if he's a lady horse? These. These are the important questions that or, we're asking you on Once and For All. Or, or, or is it, or is it like totally hetero, non-bestiality, like it's not pervy in any way? Um, I feel like Loki's definitely pervy in many ways. I feel like that's a given, right? But no, so we have, anyway. um, so we have Sleepnir's dad, which is, I'm going to, I'm going to attempt the pronunciation on this. Um, Svad... Svadilfari, Svadilfari, um, who was said to be the best horse ever. And it's like a legendary horse. So like, if you look after that, like in the medieval times and like even up until, uh, you know, like the, the early 17th century, like even in Iceland, especially where they kind of held on to a lot of the, the Norse myths, um, if there was a particularly good horse or a particularly fast horse, they would say that they're descended from this horse, this Svadilfari horse. So this was the best horse ever. And it was like a legendary horse since apparently like pre-Christian Scandinavia was Skyrim. So. I know. I'm like, I want to figure out how you unlock that mount in the like RPG like yeah world that you're in. So we have Svadilfari, who's a legendary horse, and I guess Loki was just like, I have to fuck this horse. I mean, if you're gonna fuck a horse, it might as well be the horse, like the mm. horse that all other horses are compared to. Right. So it's like the horse. Loki's like, I got to get some of that horse dick. Um, <laughs> and, and then becomes pregnant. 
with Sleipnir, uh, who is an eight-legged horse. And then it becomes Odin's mount. And so part of the symbolism there that I think is actually interesting is they see that the reason that Sleipnir has eight legs is that he can have a leg in each of the, the worlds. So they say there's nine worlds connected by the tree of life, Yggdrasil. Um, but I think in that situation, like Odin is representing the connection to Valhalla. Um, so you don't really need a leg in Valhalla. You're being ridden by Odin, right? But the other eight worlds, it's got a foot in each world, but also terrifying imagery. If you yeah. really think about it, like a fucking spider horse. Uh, I'm, I'm not here for that. I'm really not here for it either. And so in that book, that the Sea of Trolls, um, they, they call that the nightmare. And actually it gets sent into people's dreams uh, to give them nightmares, uh, which is kind of what the nightmare, the incubus succubus nightmare is. But here's where... I tried to find the thread that leads me to sleep near being the nightmare. And I found it. I found it, you guys. So um, in there's some like 14th and 15th century Icelandic poems. These are not part of the poetic Edda. These are uh, later. The poetic Edda uh, was first written down in about the 13th century. So these are um, later poems that are based on the imagery from the Poetic Edda. And what they had said was that when shamans would go um, into the spirit world and into their trance, they could take on mounts that, that had many different forms, um, including horses, uh, but sometimes giant cats too. You know, like Freya has the, um, the chariot that's pulled by giant cats. Uh, yeah, if I, if I could have my own like animal mount i'd want it to be one of like the cute giant dogs that yoshitomo nara paints all the time oh sure <laughs> so yeah it's like um you know could be a cat the size of a cow um but if it was a horse and so this is where i think nancy farmer is kind of like getting her shit right um it would it would take on the form of the sleep near the eight-legged horse that odin rides and as part of this like shamanistic ritual it, which is it, a lot like astral projecting. Yeah. Um, basically, they're describing astral projecting without using, without ever using the word astral projecting. Um, yeah, they're just talking around it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like we're, it's like we're gonna hit all around it because I mean they they don't have a word for it. They're like, yeah. he's the shaman. He's in the world of the spirits. But to me, I'm like, I'm reading this as a witch in 2021. I'm like, this is astral projecting. Yeah. Um, but could go into people's dreams mm. and influence them, and so. If you were one of these shamans, one of these, you know, like witch doctor medicine men going on this like astral journey on an eight legged horse, fucking giving people nightmares, which the eight legged horse would be enough to give me the heebie jeebies. Yeah. If I'm, I'm being like, honest. If that shows up, it's a nightmare. It doesn't matter what it's doing. It can be fucking right. like chilling with sugar cubes in the corner. It's a nightmare now. <laughs> right. I mean, it could be the most docile spider horse uh, out there uh the the eight-legged thing is just kind of creepy i mean yeah. spiders always a little creepy sorry sorry spiders yeah it's like i like spiders and they're fine like i cohabitate i don't kill them i just move them outside 
Yeah, but there's same, about same, it being same. Fucking horse size. Horse, yeah. No, that I'm noping the fuck out of there. Like, no. Also, I feel like that would be kind of clumsy. Yeah, you know, like like the way they talk about it in the legends, where they're like, oh, and it was like the best horse, and like having eight legs made it faster. And I'm like, really though? Yeah, I kind of think of like in the Harry Potter movies when Ron is like when oh, whatever the I forget the name of the creature, but it like comes out and it's like the thing you're most scared of. And he envisions- Oh, the, bo- like, the boggart, the boggart. Yes, the boggart. And in the book, he envisions the spider losing all of its legs and rolling around and that's silly. But in the movie, they do the thing where they put roller skates on the yeah. end yeah, of yeah, all yeah, of yeah. the spider legs. Like that's the visual I'm getting thinking about an eight-legged horse. I just feel like it'd be hard <laughs> to coordinate. Yeah. Um, and so, so with that, it's kind of like, I feel like that draws a close enough connection to yeah. like maybe sleep near being like the format of a kind of nightmare vision. Um, and really though, it's one of those things where I thought we were going to look into this and there was going to be like a million legends about sleep near and we were just going to like go on and on, but there's not, there's one, hey. there's like an origin story. And then there's a couple poems about it. And it's one of those where it's like, they reference it. They reference yeah. it a lot. Um, oh, you know, there is one that kind of like relates to dreams where uh, Balder is having bad dreams. And in order to stop the bad dreams, Odin has to ride sleep near to hell to stop the bad dreams, which are coming from hell. Um, hell with one L, because it's it's different but similar to what christians call hell um that's a whole different that's a whole other different thing but i think that's a good place to kind of like roll into this week's qwp yeah because because if we're talking about shamans riding eight-legged horses into people's dreams and making them have nightmares uh it's really like really we were thinking a simple qwp for this week is just especially for Scorpio season, because you fucking guys are always showing up in other people's dreams where you're not supposed to be. And you can say it's accidental, but I don't understand why it's always a fucking Scorpio. Okay. Um, Don't give people nightmares. Like if you're on that level with astral projecting too, where you can go onto the astral plane and check out other people's dreams, it would be really fucked up of you to give people nightmares on purpose. Yeah. Uh, so for, for all you Pisces moons out there, uh, like, I don't know. Don't, don't look, but she's, she's on the, she's on the call. Where? Where? <laughs> Willow? Uh, Willow's an Aries. It's okay. No, no, no. Uh, but no, you guys don't do it. Don't, don't do it. it. And also I would say I have seen, because you know we spend a lot of time on like Pinterest and YouTube trying to find and Reddit like, and Reddit trying to find like shitty witchcraft uh, to do QWPs with. And I have seen some revenge spells that involve making people have nightmares. And That's first of so all, I mean, cruel. a revenge spell that does not follow the, uh, the you know, the the rule of threes because anything you turn to someone else is going to come back to you times three baby 
It's, it's like, even if you don't follow the Wiccan tenant, like any action that you take out of revenge is like, it's, it's a thing where it's like drinking poison and expecting someone else to die. Like, so it's not good for you as a human. No. And man, who else is more vindictive than a Scorpio? One of my Scorpio friends literally said at the table a few weeks ago during a board game, of course I'm fucking vindictive. (laughs) And I was like, the most Scorpio statement to ever be yelled over a board game? Perhaps. (laughs) Oh my God. And of course, over a board game too. Like, because ruthless. Yeah. Ruthless. (laughs) Scorpios do not know Ruth. Okay. Never met her. But one of my other Scorpios is like in LA and is just about to leave. I did get two of my Scorpios over lunch together. So that was fun. Oh my Uh, gosh. Yeah. You know, it's so funny because you know how sometimes people with certain signs, I feel like seem like their sister sign. Yeah. I feel like Emma is a very Taurus Scorpio. Yeah, I could see that for sure. So it's, I don't know. You know what I mean? Where it's like, I know, I like Libra Aries. Like sometimes I'm a fucking like airheaded Libra baby in the best way. Like I love Libras. I love the bubbly personality. Like one of my very best witch friends is a Libra. Shout out Eve. We love Libras, but sometimes they're a bit airheaded. And sometimes I'm like, I'm a, you know, sometimes I'm like, I'm a ditzy Libra at heart. Sometimes, sometimes you're pretty. Too. Okay. <laughs> sometimes I'm pretty. But no, yeah. I'm like, it's one of those where I'm like, Emma to me feels very much like a like a Taurusy, a Taurusy Scorpio. Yeah. I mean, I think it makes sense. That Although I'm so loving the sh- I'm loving the short hair. That's oh yeah. That's big Scorpio. It's it's a mood. It's a really the bo- good mood. The bo- the boldness of the planet Mars. Oh can't, yeah. You can't discount it. That very Martian personality. Oh, I yeah. Love it. All right. Well, on that note, let's talk about Angelica Root or Angelica Archangelica. Uh, Garden Angelica, another word for it. It's also called Wild Celery and Norwegian Angelica. Uh, but this is Angelica. You'll often hear people talk about Angelica Root because that's the piece that's most commonly used. But all of the plant is like, usable. Um, It is a biennial plant from the family uh, Apiaceae, which is the family of carrots and celery and coriander and chervil. It's like all of the things that have the umbel shaped inflorescences. So like the upside down umbrellas with all the little Mm -hmm. flowers on the end. That's like one of the hallmarks of the Apiaceae family. Um, Angelica has actually been used as a spice since like 1500 AD. Uh, And all parts of the plant, again, are edible. But like when we're talking medicine, unless I specify otherwise, we're usually Mm. talking about the root. So this plant is native to Syria, but you can find it across Europe and in Western Asia. And in India, it's grown specifically in the Kashmir Valley. So the dried roots are also used frequently for flavoring things like cakes and candy and beverages uh angelica root is actually the main flavoring ingredient of gin and it's also used in vermouth so you can thank angelica for martinis Ooh, he says you're welcome. okay all yeah. right yeah 
martini brought to you by Angelica. I love a good martini. I know. So uh, in addition, though, to its medicinal uses, you can also find Angelica and like extracts in a lot of perfumes. Like it's got a really beautiful smell Um, and it's not commonly cultivated in gardens, but you totally can grow it. Uh, Doing this research has actually made me want to grow some myself. And I just ripped up a bunch of my like summer vegetable plants because I can't fight the fucking squirrels anymore on these things. Like at this point in the season, I'm just done. I had a Jack and Jill pumpkin that I shit you not was like probably the size of like a dessert plate. And I saw it. And then by the time I took Willow outside, they had pulled it off of the vine and were eating it. So I pulled up a lot of my vegetables that were like coming to an end. And now I'm like, I have room to think about maybe planting some Angelica. We've got Um, some space. We've got some space after I rage quit a bunch of plants because I'm like ready to drop kick some squirrels. Um, So how can you grow it if you want to grow it? Um, So you are going to have to plant this one annually to have a continuous supply of the herb because it's a short-lived perennial or a biennial. So that basically means like the first year, the plant is just going to be like maybe one to three feet tall. It's going to have like a small stalk, like a simple rosette. But the second year, the rosette form like sort of goes away and it grows into like larger three-section leaves on like a four to five like sometimes even six foot stalk. So it's really that second year that you're going to get the flowers kind of like with, um, most berries too. You actually only get like growth on old wood and the root itself actually looks like a giant pale carrot. Like that's the best way to describe it. Um, so, you know, if you're wanting to have stuff that's like usable every year, you have to plant it every year because not all of the plants are going to be usable every year. I'm like, how many times can I say every year? Anyway, you, um, you gotta you gotta plant it every year to get it every year. Exactly. Uh Angelica does need plenty of room though, because it can actually spread from like two feet to four feet. So like this isn't really a great one for a patio garden, but I have some like 15 gallon grow bags that I think I'm gonna try growing it in because like it won't be able to spread more than two feet, but they are very deep. And for things that you're growing primarily for the root, you want to make sure that you have like a deep enough space for it. Um, the seeds are- And the, and the, the carrot part is like a taproot, right? So that's going to yeah. grow down anyway. Yeah, exactly. It's a taproot. And so my big 15 gallon bags are like deep enough that I'm actually growing carrots in them. So I think they'll be, they'll be good enough for that. But you can also, again, use the leaves and flowers. So there's plenty of things that you can get out of the plant and they just smell good. I have smelled them. Like if you ever smell it, you're going to be like, oh yeah, that's gin. It's like the yeah. florally note in gin. That's really good. Um, so the seeds though are very small, just like basically everything in this family. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen celery seeds, like they're tiny, tiny. Um, and you really just want to like start them like you would any other plant, you know, get yourself some seed starting mix, mixed it, like maybe dust it with a little bit of the seed mix, but don't fully bury them, cover them with some saran wrap, flip the saran wrap every few days. So you're not growing anything funky. Um, the most important thing to remember here though, is like, you need to put them out like into whatever their final container is before they're like four inches tall, because anything that grows a taproot can get really difficult to transplant. If you let it stay in one container too long, because that root is really important and it's easy to damage when you move it. So like, you don't want to hurt the baby carrot. Yeah. You don't want to hurt the baby carrot. It's (laughs) it's why you'll see a lot of people don't suggest like 
do like starting like beats and things inside. I think you can totally start them inside. It's fine if that's what you need to do, but just know that like you really can't just like let them go until they're totally filling out that like I do with my tomatoes. Sometimes my tomato plants will be like popping out of the tiny little containers before I finally get them transplanted. You can't do that with roots though. So just keep that in mind. Um, it can also just so you know, once you do start growing it, it can be started from like root division in the spring as well, which is great because once you have it, it's one of those plants that like you have to cultivate it year over year. But once you do have it, you're not going to have to be like rebuying seed or anything like that. It's just making sure that you're like cultivating new growth every year. Um, so this herb, interestingly, of a lot of things that we talk about, it actually prefers like cool climates and semi-shady to sunny locations. But like if you live somewhere with hot summers, like Nick and I, you are going to have to plant it somewhere with like dappled shade at most to keep it from like totally frying. Like this is a plant that does really well in like cool weather climates. I'm thinking like Pacific Northwest babes, like this would be awesome up where you are. Northeast, I think you could definitely do some angelica root. It's going to be a little tougher for people like me and Nick that are in more like Mediterranean and like desert Texas hellhole climates, you know, but, uh, but you know, we can do it. We just have to like, make sure that we keep it in the shade. Um, for best results, Angelica does prefer like slightly acidic soil. Again, things like that really are going to like be an added bonus if you want to get crazy with it, but you don't absolutely have to do it. Um, and this one is not drought tolerant. So don't let it dry out. It's not going to be a zary scaping plant for you. Like it needs to stay moist. Um, and since it can get really large, you also want to be sure that you're watering it from the base. So you're not splashing up like dirt and stuff on the foliage. It's like the same thing with tomatoes. Like the reason you don't just like spray them down with a water hose is because all of the like dirt and stuff and moisture that you get on the leaves, like sets up a habitat for fungal and bacterial infection. Same thing with Angelica root. So just like water it from the base and make sure that you're setting yourself up for success. Um, so like other biennials though, you are gonna wanna cut the stalk back at the end of the first year to help promote flowering the following year. So it's really easy once you like get them planted, everyone says they're super easy to maintain. It's just making sure that you have them in the right kind of location. Cause if I planted them out like in a South facing area in Los Angeles, they would crisp up. Like we had a little heat snap here in November where it was in like the upper eighties. So you got to be mindful of where you live. Um, so let's talk about herbal medicine. As a reminder, I am not a doctor. This podcast is not intended to diagnose or treat anything. This is all for entertainment purposes. This is not medical advice. Please discuss any herbal regimens with your medical practitioner before embarking on them. Um, again, most importantly, Nick and I, are not doctors. I'm, so, I'm certainly not a doctor. I'm I'm just a simple biologist. Don't worry, guys. If we became doctors, you'll be the first to know. You will. Yeah, you'll you'll get the exclusive scoop. <laughs> you will. We'll let you know. Um, so before we dive into the medicinal uses, though, I do want to make sure to specify something here up top. Um, Angelica root typically refers to the species Angelica archangelica, which is what we're talking about. Um, but TCM or traditional Chinese medicine really commonly uses Angelica sinensis. Uh, and that one has like, actually has more clinical research on it as well. A lot of stuff with like TCM has gotten more clinical research earlier on than other herbal traditions. But 
we're not talking about asinesis. We're talking about a archangelica. So just to be like super clear, um, there's a long list of herbal actions like there so often are. It's a digestive stimulant, astringent, expectorant, diaphoretic, carminative, diuretic, cholagogue, and anti-inflammatory spasmolytic. So lots of goodies there. It also has an affinity for like a few different body systems, but I think you'll see a connection. Um, it works on the immune system, the respiratory system, the digestive system, and the reproductive system. And so to me, when I see something that's like working on those systems, it immediately makes me think that there's like a connection to the movement of fluid in the body, which is something that is important to keep in mind when you're thinking about like herbal remedies and herbal medicine. I think it's really easy for us to get like long lists of like, this herb works really well with this part of the body. But for me, it's easier to like remember what herbs do when I think about connections like that. So instead of just remembering angelica root is like, immune system, digestive system, like reproductive system, all of that. It's like, I will, I will more easily remember that Arc, uh, Angelica, Archangelica helps with movement of fluids in the body. And then you can like infer all of those other systems. Anyway, that's one of like my study tips. If it doesn't work for you guys, that's fine. Um, but it does have antimicrobial and antibacterial properties, which is not surprising given how medicinal of a scent it is. Um, but they can be really useful in early stages of like the flu or a cold. Um, it can help your immune system, like fight off the pathogens. I think an angelica root tea with like some elderberry would be bomb.com if you feel like you're coming down sick with something. Uh, it's a diaphoretic, which means it helps you sweat. So it can help you like break a fever naturally. Um, in herbalism, when you're looking at like holistic medicine, you're not ever trying to like shut off something that the body's doing. So when you're talking about something that's going to help with a fever, it's not turning off the fever mechanism in your body though, which I think is something that sometimes people, when they are interested in learning about herbal medicine are like, yeah, but I could just take an ibuprofen and be done with the fever. But as an herbalist, you're like, yeah, but the fever is your body very intelligently doing something. And yeah, so it's like, it's like your body is working. That's the yeah. fever is, uh, killing things. Yeah. It's killing things off. So when you're looking at diaphoretics that help you like sweat more, it's just like sort of pushing the fever to more of the extremities. So it's like, it's better for your health overall, your organ systems, but I, I also just sweat, sweating is a good way to get all of those like byproducts out mm -hmm. too. So it's like, it's like, you got to think your body's fighting an infection. So now you have a bunch of like bacteria corpses and what do you do? How do you get rid of those? Sweat. Yeah. Sweat them out. You um, sweat them out. I just wanted to point it out. Cause I have like one of my good friends, I was putting some stuff together for her husband when he was sick and he just seemed like he was like, so unimpressed and unenthused. And it's like, well, yeah, like I'm not giving you Dayquil. Like this is right, not right, supposed right. to like make your body stop coughing. Like this is supposed to help it like be a productive cough and like move things through. And I just, I always want to really reiterate that like our bodies are smart. <laughs> They're very smart. They're intelligently designed. Before we had modern pharmacy, we fucking lived to that point. <laughs> so it's like, right. you know, got something going on. Um, it, so uh <laughs> Angelica root though does also have cholagog properties. So it can help with like colic and bloating and indigestion. It's like carminative, like all of like the gross, like gastric upset that you can get 
you know, it's really good for that. Um, it is antispasmodic. So it can also help with like nervous system support and it has an alterative action as well. So it can like kind of like lightly cleanse the blood and lymphatic system. Um, the word cleanse, I feel like is so loaded, but it's really about like helping your like lymphatic system do its job and move because like lymph node congestion is like a sign of like illness. And it's one of the reasons I like check for swollen lymph nodes when they're checking to see if you're sick with certain like illnesses. So something that's like alterative can help with like continuing the movement of the lymphatic fluids. Um, Angelica can also be used to bring on a late period. It's also useful to help sort of like tip someone over into labor if the baby is not wanting to come, if the baby is just hanging out. Um, it's also given postpartum by some doulas or herbal practitioners who work with like people delivering babies. Um, it's given postpartum to help like with the release of the afterbirth. Um, because it does help with that like uterine action. It's also said to help people that have like really excruciating like menstrual pain because of endometriosis, um, especially if you're using like the freshly dried herb. And it's again, all related to like the movement of fluids in the body. Um, with that being said, it should definitely be avoided by folks who already have heavy menstrual bleeding and anyone who is pregnant or trying to become pregnant. And if you have like a really heavy period, you need to kind of be careful with herbs in general, because like I recently ended up going through like a bunch of OSHA root tea because I had gotten super congested and I didn't think about it. And then I started my period and I was like, this is fucking insane. Like, when did this happen? Like I might die. I'm like losing so much blood. And then I was like, oh, but OSHA root is causing sort of like similar to Angelica root. It has this like ability to like press fluids out of the body, which is great when you're trying to like cough up stuff and like, you've got like a deep cold, but then your uterus doesn't know the difference. <laughs> so your uterus is like, cool, we're evacuating everything. Yeah. She's just <laughs> like, okay, let her yeah. rip. So, um, but on that note, it's also like really good for like deep lung infections, right? Um, as someone who's had pneumonia, Things like angelica root, um, osha root, we'll talk about at some point too. Like they're really good for helping you like move the phlegm out of your lungs. Because again, it's like if you're taking like a cough suppressant, you're extending how long you're sick because that shit is just sitting in there. The phlegm's still in there. Like you got to get it out. <laughs> so this is like really useful for that. Um, so, you know, now that we've talked about it, I think you can really sort of like see this like connection to like the fluids in our bodies, um, whether it's like blood circulation, stimulating bile with digestion, menstruation, or even phlegm. Sometimes you got to move some phlegm around y'all as someone who smokes a lot of weed and has asthma phlegm happens. Uh, <laughs> so you can make angelica root tea. I've also found like a billion tinctures for sale online. Wild Terra, the shop that I go to, I'm pretty sure has an Angelica root tincture. Um, make sure you're buying from a reputable source. Uh, and you can also use the seeds as a spice when you're cooking because it is, again, related to like carrots and coriander and all of those. So apparently the seeds are super aromatic, which if you have a bunch of the plant, collect seeds, y'all, collect seeds. I have like so many seeds from my morning glories right now in particular, but like, don't forget about the seeds. So that's, that's that for the medicinal. So let's talk about the magic. This is a masculine plant. 
associated with the sun and the element fire. And I think this really makes sense when you think about all of like the movement and the active like nature of the way it works in the body. Like something being active is traditionally associated with being quote unquote masculine when we're thinking about like those magical associations. Um, Of course, like people who work with angels, like Angelica. Oh, what? Angelica. Yeah. It's it's also good for things like divination. So I immediately was thinking like, I know a lot of people that work with like angel, like Oracle decks. And I feel like you could smoke cleanse with some Angelica root or even just like store a piece of Angelica root with like your angel Oracle cards to sort of like help keep them active, but also bring in that angel energy. Um, It is like a big protector though. Like that's the biggest thing. So thinking about nightmares, we're like protection. That's always a nice follow-up when you're talking about fucking nightmare. This is one we actually were talking about a little bit um, when we did sleep magic the first time, like way back in the day, like over a year ago, probably. Uh, Not that I'm keeping track, not that this is episode 56 or anything. Um, But yeah, no, we were talking about because we really needed to pare it down as far yeah. as like things that would be good to put in a sleep sachet. But I feel like Angelica Root really is that bitch. It is because it it has that like very protective like energy about it. And of course you can like grow it. But I mean, even in like Cunningham's Encyclopedia of Magical Herbs, they talk about like putting it in the four corners of your home or mm-hmm. even like mm-hmm. sprinkling it on perimeters. And so I was like, of course we have to plug the doormat. Like- Angelica oh, root yeah. under your doormat. Angelica root under your doormat. Throw Fuck that yes. bitch in a sleep sachet. This is actually this is actually a plant that's really been on my mind lately because I personally feel like I've been well, I've I've texted you about it where I feel like I've been getting visit, visited by my dead grandma. Yeah. Um, which is like a whole nother thing that we can talk about at some other point. But she definitely was someone who like heavily believed in like angels and guardian angels. And um, I always think of that ABBA song. Yeah. It's like, I believe in angels uh, that, you know, it's like, yeah, it's, I, love I don't know. So it's a vibe. And it's like, I keep seeing all these butterflies too, yeah. um, which also feels like a very angelic kind of vibe, you know, like a butterfly. Oh yeah. Um, but anywho, yeah, no, it's like definitely I've been thinking about doing something with Angelica because I feel like maybe I have a guardian angel now and it's you something might. I it's something I should look into. I feel like you should. So, so. you can use it under your doormat as a starter. <laughs> um, you can also use it in baths, though. They say it's helpful to like remove curses and any spells that may have been used against you. So with that, I was thinking like post-holiday cleansing bath resets Mm. because like, we all need that. Get the Christmas off of you. Um, With that protective energy, again, like sleep sachets, if you're prone to nightmares in particular, I feel like Angelica Root could be a really good ally. Or like if you have kids that have nightmares, like maybe you put a little like, a little sleep sachet with like some angelica root and like a sweet like moonstone or something in there to like keep under their pillow. I know sometimes with little ones too, like just helping build like a little totem like that for them can be really comforting. So yes. I was like, that could be really sweet. Well, um, you know, it's like when I was, when I was a kid, I had night terrors. Yeah. 
And so this is like like a little secondary QWP too, though. But it's like we do not advise people to buy um, dream catchers. No. Yeah, no. And unless you are part of a tribe where that is part of your uh, spiritual tradition. Yep. Um, and, you know, it's like the ones that your family had came from. Yeah. Like that, like a very honest place. Uh, and yeah, we, so that's. We got them in Oklahoma when we went to, when my papa went and took us to like a powwow to like see, you know. Yeah. His so, heritage. But, but, and also, uh, like, on that note, when you've seen, like, real authentic dream catchers, like, the fake oh, cute yeah. ones are just, like, wow. Yeah. But also, but, but uh, you know, it's, like, I did have my little dream catcher because, um, you know, my dad had gotten it for me because I did. I had night terrors as a kid. Yeah. Uh, and I'm so glad that I did not end up with sleep paralysis as, as an adult. As someone who has had sleep paralysis as an adult uh yeah sleep problems are rough like um sleep problems are very common in my family nick has heard me and my family members talk at each other we're very uh-huh. active sleep talkers uh i am also a sleepwalker and the last time i sleptwalk was like since i've lived in los angeles and apparently like most people that sleepwalk stop sleepwalking when they're adults but like i've sleptwalked a few times in memory uh i also will very like I will like open my eyes and look at people and talk to them in nonsense oh, yeah. while and, I'm sleeping. Yeah. And it's like, uh, okay. Like, did you drink a whole bottle of cough syrup, Shannon? Uh, is this like, no, is, is this fish boots time? My brain is just terrible. <laughs> and so they gave me trazodone to try and help me sleep when I was in college. And I had really like the worst sleep paralysis I've ever had. Like I thought I was dying. So, um, so, you, so it's like, it's like, which, which would you rather do sleepwalk? or uh, have terrifying sleep paralysis definitely sleepwalk but I'm like when I've been doing all this research on Angelica Root I'm like I could probably use it in my bedroom because like I think for a lot of people sleep is something that science still has such a loose grasp on like the dysfunctions of sleep that I'm like the idea of having a plant in there is really calming and I keep plants in my room anyway, but using an herb like that, I think is so much less frightening for me than, you know, trying other sleep medications because sleep medications can do so much funky shit. And again, like they work for some people, they totally, sure, do. sure, sure. My experience was not that. <laughs> um, so anyway, it's also allegedly really good for exorcisms. If that's something that you're in need of, uh, <laughs> Finally, smoking it is said to cause visions. So I haven't tried it myself, um, but there doesn't seem to be anything in my research that says like angelic smoke and angelical root is going to like super kill you. Um, but I've gotten mixed results on whether you're supposed to smoke the leaves or the dried root. So do your own research, obvi. Um, but you know, if you use like smoke and a divination practice, you could definitely do that. Um, you could also just add it to like incense blends when you're doing divination work. Um, but yeah, so my sources today were sciencedirect.com, gardeningknowhow.com, herbrally.com, wingsinthenight.co.uk, and of course, Cunningham's Encyclopedia of Magical Herbs. So. Love it. Yeah, I know. And this is a Shannon heavy episode. So moving right along, uh, (laughs) we had to talk about the God of dreams today, right? We did. Uh, We did. Obvious. Uh, Morpheus is the son of Hypnos, uh, the God of sleep, and Pasithea, the goddess of relaxation and rest, which like- Um, 
I want to be her bestie. Like, really, though? How do I change my whole altar to better serve Pasithea? Yeah. Uh, I need, I, I fucking need that right now. I'm like, my patron deity, I found her. <laughs> um, so, so Morpheus and his brothers were collectively known as um, the Oneroi, and they are personifications of dreams, which is like, Super dope. Um, so as far as literary appearances go, uh, we get a lot of what we know about Morpheus from Ovid's Metamorphosis. And most folks seem to agree that he's also probably the unnamed dream spirit in Homer's Iliad that delivers a message from Zeus to King Agamemnon. So those are like the primary places that you see him in literature. Um, so uh, Morpheus was the leader of the Oneroi, but he wasn't just handed that role as leader. Um, Hypnos actually picked him to be like HBIC of the brothers because of his uncanny ability to uh, mimic and assume all forms related to living beings. So like, he's the original impressionist. He's like the winner of Snatch Game. That is like, he can he can do anyone. Um, it's a pretty, you know, important skill to have though, if you're going to be like starring in people's dreams. So, you right. know. Makes sense. Uh, so this guy is like straight up a fucking dream artist, but apparently they're very specific in pointing out that he wasn't able to take the form of any woman. So a bit short-sighted, but I guess it was a different time. <laughs> uh, so his other brothers were uh, Phobiter or Ikelos, who created nightmares, and Phantasis, uh, who created unreal or phantasmic dreams. But Morpheus's dreams are like extra special because they're true, like capital T, true. He's the bringer of like prophetic dreams, like dreams of things to come. So he's like a Banff. So because of that, he has the ability to influence the dreams, not only of like people, but like heroes, kings, and literal gods. So big deal that i mean if you were gonna do an inception why not go all the way to the top i mean honestly while you're there um so morpheus and his family actually live in the land of dreams which also happens to contain the river of forgetfulness and the river of oblivion so good times uh and there are two monsters guarding the entrance to keep dumb humans away which honestly like seems like it's for the best given all the like fucked up waterways that exist in right, the right, land right. of dreams um that it said that every night the onoroi emerged from hypnosis palace and passed through one of two gates so uh morpheus's brothers passed through an ivory gate which represents dreams without true meaning and the greek words for ivory and deceive are apparently very similar um and morpheus though he passes through a gate made of horn which represents true or divine dreams and i also loved this like tidbit that when he was in the land of dreams his bedroom is like a cave full of poppy seeds which sounds like a lot but the word morphine does come from morpheus so that like poppy connection i i like to think that maybe you know, it's like he's got a beanbag type situation with the poppy seeds. Ooh, that sounds lovely. Cozy. Or like a like a buckwheat pillow, you know? Yeah. I love that. I mean, I have like a really pretty um like rice pillow that's got lavender in it that I can heat up and use for my muscles. So mm. like, you know, there's some good stuff. Um, I do also like though that not only does Morpheus have all of these like amazing like dream art powers, he's also 
an actual messenger of the gods. Like he's a wingling deity. He's got the wings. And apparently his wings were a gift from his uncle Thantos, the god of death. So, you know, what a mitzvah, right? <laughs> uh, so this, again, though, all kind of like ties into his dreams being true, right? Because he's literally a messenger for the gods and also to the gods at times. Um, and of course, like the Greeks and then later the Romans really believed like very much in the importance of dreams. So Morpheus, even though he's a minor deity, was considered to be like one of the busiest, which I just, I love. He's so fucking busy. He's got shit going on. Um, and he doesn't have a partner or a spouse like other gods, which makes sense when you're like providing all the good dreams to the important people all the time. Like he's married to his job, Shannon. He is. He is. Um, so although he's like a minor God, he was highly revered and I feel like it's very well earned. So you want to work with Morpheus, right? Plenty of people I'm sure do. Fucking duh. All right. So let's start with what he rules over um, and areas. It might make sense to like ask for his assistance. Uh, he rules dreams obviously. So you can call on him before doing dream work. He can also aid with astral travel and meditation and general divination. I think that the idea here is like, it's really that connection to the other world and like that bridge that you cross. And I think that it's like, when you're thinking like divination, meditation, dreams, astral projection, it feels like they're all connected to this like ethereal bridge into the other world. So that all tracks to me. Um, as a Catonic God, though, this is his time of the year, uh, the dark half. So if you're someone that like tends to also be like seasonally driven in deity work, like this is definitely Catonic God season. So like Morpheus, Hecate, get him up. Finally, as like the bringer of dreams and prophecy, I would also say he's probably a great one to work on for things related to like inspiration, creativity, and manifestation. Because again, it's like, they're very specific about the fact that like his dreams are prophetic dreams. So like, he's like speaking things into existence almost. So if you want to manifest work with him. Um, so to represent him, like on your altar or in your spell work, I would say he's like, obviously like poppies, poppy artwork, poppy seeds, all of those would be like, right right at home here. A lovely reminder of his bedroom. Uh, he's a winged deity too though. So you could also use like feathers to represent him. I think any deity that's winged, you can use feathers on your altar for them. Um, also night creatures feel very appropriate. Uh, things like moths, raccoons, cats, wolves, bonus points for black cats, uh, anything related to nighttime really. So you could also use like things that have stars and moons on them. Um, or, you know, like even I have like this beautiful herb grinder that's got like moon phases on it. Like Things like that that you can utilize in your craft that you can have in a place of honor on your altar could all like be to honor Morpheus. Um, as a catonic deity, like an underworld deity, water is always like a correspondence, almost almost always for underworld deities. Um, so if you're wanting to build like a specific Morpheus uh, altar, it's the direction west is what's correlated with water. So you could also just add water to your altar for that. Um, and I also like dark colors are going to be appropriate. Things like black, blue, purple, silver for the moon. You get it. Uh, for our crystal witches, I think dreamy stones like moonstone, hematite, uh, celestite, or even uh, lodolite. And I have this crystal that I was thinking would be 
really good too. It's called uh, Cradle for All Mankind. And it's from like one of the oldest existing like caves that they know of in like South Africa. And it's this like beautiful black stone. And when you hold it, it gets really hot. And it's supposed Ooh. to help with like connection to ancestors. And I feel like that would also be kind of like a good one for this type of work when you're like thinking about traveling in that other plane. I, I mean, I was going to say like Onyx too feels yeah. like very, very much in the same vein of oh, like, yeah. of like a, of like a nocturnal stone almost. Oh yeah. I can imagine like burning some angelica root for protection and like divination and then doing some like scrying in an onyx mirror and asking Morpheus for assistance. Like, hello, Scorpio like, season. Yeah. Hello, Scorpio season. We're here. Uh, so if you want to make offerings, like you can never go wrong with libations. Um, of course, poppy seeds. I'm like, this feels like a God that would be into a poppy seed muffin. Maybe that's just like the baking witch in me, but I'm like, I would definitely make poppy seeded like baked goods and pour one out for Morpheus. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, so and then I, poppy seeds also very much have that, like, that deep black color too, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like, if you have like a poppy seed kolache, it almost looks oh, like yeah. a starry night sky, you know, yeah. like if the way, if the light catches it the right way, you know, it's like, that feels right. Yeah, totally. So yeah, so that's it. I mean, it's it's pretty short and sweet because again, he's technically considered a minor god, but he's highly revered. And mostly I need to learn a lot more about his mother now. Yeah, um, no. So my sources today were greekgodsandgoddesses.net, classicalwisdom.com, and biophilicwitch.tumblr.com. I love when I get on Tumblr again. Oh uh, my God. I, I always forget that it's still there, but it does come up sometimes when I'm like, just fucking around on Google, like yeah. trying to find topics and stuff too. Yeah. Because Tumblr was a fucking wasteland. Oh yeah. Of like, like honestly, if Tumblr was more active, I feel like it would be a gold mine of QWPs. But some yeah. of the stuff on Tumblr, I was honestly like, I kind of miss that like open format that Reddit kind of is now, but it's like sometimes you find really good stuff. Yeah. Sometimes Tumblr is like a treasure trove and sometimes it's a dumpster fire and it just depends. <laughs> and that's the wonderful thing about it. Um, so yeah, so today I'm also doing the Terrascope. This is a Shannon Sode, y'all. Uh, and I have drawn a card for our Cancer Babies, which like we spent a lot of time talking about the moon and this week we're talking about the night and dreams and we got cancer. Uh, and this is a big one for you guys. I've drawn the tower. <laughs> So um, we've talked a lot about the tower on here, but I also wanted to talk about it specifically with my deck because different decks will also have sort of like different flavors to the major arcana, even though they're the generally like the same story. Um, So, you know, of course you can't, you can't avoid the fact that the tower means upheaval and like big shifts and like, change that feels like significant like I can think about like tower moments in my life like my grandfather dying when I was 14 was a tower moment in my life because everything changed and that's that's sort of what the tower represents right but for my card here and this deck it really leans into like the idea that the decay is like nourishing to the soul so it's it's represented by a mushroom log the tower so people on the patreon can see this oh Um, love it love it yeah and 
the mushroom, the mushroom plays such an important role in the ecosystem. Um, there are decomposers. So like dead decaying material mushrooms convert that into nutrients that's useful for like animals and plant life. So they're like really taking like all of the things that are horrible and dark and turning them into like this new beautiful food. They also like break down and absorb contamination from the environment. Um, as like a side note, there's some really amazing research being done on fungus and its ability to eat all sorts of things, including plastics. Uh, it's a really great rabbit hole. And it's the first time, like in a long time, I had any hope for the future of humans. So enjoy that rabbit hole. Um, but with that being said, the fact that the tower is represented by mushrooms, I feel like is really significant here. Um, because this is like, this is a card that's inviting you to really just like let the tragedy you're facing consume false narratives and like rules that you've set out for yourself that no longer work or even just societal expectations. It's like, if you have to be going through this horrible, rough time, maybe not horrible, but uncomfortable change like this doesn't ever feel good. Um, often it can be a tragedy and very painful, but if you're already going through that, toss out the garbage while you're there. It's like, this is a huge shift for you. And you're already undergoing like the trauma and the reshaping that's happening. So just like throw in all the bullshit that you're not taking out with you. So like this it's, is sort of your chance to start over. It's like you already rented the dumpster for the day. You yeah. might as well clean out the closets while it's there. Yeah, exactly. It's like if you have to like go through this period, remember the star is the next card. So yes. it's like you're dumping shit right now and it's hard. And like, of course you're going to have that like initial shock that comes with like tragedy and big shift and like the painful things that happen in life. But like once that's passed, you can release like new energy. So like the way that mushrooms spread their spores is in like bursts and out into the air and then it floats all over the place. And it's like, you can have that beautiful explosion of new star energy on the other side, but you have to be willing to like, let it eat the stuff. Like, that's the thing. You can't stay there. You don't get to the star by pretending it's not happening or by not incorporating it. Like you just have to like, let it consume you. It's like when you get pulled under in the riptide, they say it's like, instead of fighting to get up, you're supposed to swim sideways. Like that's sort of the move here. Um, everything that you're experiencing, like the deep pain, all of that, it's like, it's food for growth, right? Growth is hard and it's painful, but it's also like a sign of life. Uh, it's like healing and like evolution is endless. Like you're never going to hit this point where you're done. If you do, you're dead. And that's cool. You get to do dead people things now, but while you're not, it's like, we're all going to continue to have the tower moments. So just like, also remember like cancers, y'all are the mama bears of the Zodiac, but like you don't have to take care of everyone when you're going through something like this. Like, it's also okay for you to let people take care of you, for you to like allow people to like be the shoulder that you lean on, you know, like you deserve that and you need it. And I think that's also something really important with the tower is like when things are falling apart, you can't hold it all up and you can't hold it all together. And you also certainly can't be a prop for other people to stay up on. Like you kind of have to like, take this time for yourself. And I know that like a sign that's so caring that can feel mean, but it's like, you have to put on your own oxygen mask. So also do that cancer. So that's just like a very cancer specific, like 
please do that. Please take care of yourself. Please let other people take care of you as well. Um, and if it helps, like, I love the suggestion in here to like write about whatever this thing is that you're going through and bury it outdoors. So it can like decompose and also become new life. So, yeah. Love that. Me too. You know, just to kind of throw it out there too, I was watching this thing recently about how all of the trees that died before mushrooms evolved uh, burned to the ground because they couldn't decompose. And that's where charcoal came from. And uh, charcoal is destroying the planet along with uh, oil. So wouldn't you rather be a nice mulchy forest floor than a bunch of fucking charcoal? Yeah, it's and I do like to me, I felt like the flavor of this deck just felt very like it feels like a bit of a lighter feel on the tower than some other decks, because, again, it's like life happens and life involves shit happening. And like, but the tower is not just shit happening. That's not getting cut off in traffic. It's like things that change who you are at your core and the way you experience the world which is why I also love this reminder to just like throw it all out. It's like, if you're already fucking going through it, just clean it out. I love your, like you rented the dump truck, fucking fill it up. <laughs> like there's right. no, there's yeah, no yeah, harm yeah. in doing it. Might as well. Yeah. You've got the dumpster for the day. Go yeah. through your, go through your closet, son. Just it's time. It. It's time. You're never going to wear that hot pink sweater. You won't. It's, it's cute, but you'd never, you've never worn it. Let someone else wear it. <laughs> anyway, but, yeah. But you guys, okay, so we've got a we've got a little, you know, uh, heat map on people joining the Patreon. Just yeah. to remind you guys, um, you know, our our bottom level is five dollars, and that does get you in the door to like be seeing us hey, hey. and. And, oh, you know, I'm breaking out all of my lipsticks that I haven't been able to wear because of the masks and the pandemic. So I'm going to try and give you all new lipstick as often as possible. And I think I'm on track for a new one every week so far. Right. So uh, you're missing out on that. Um, but hey, you know, if not, still helps us out immensely. Yeah. If you leave a review on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, um, really wherever you're listening. Yeah. And you guys, yeah. we've love getting all the feedback that we get on our Instagram uh, at once and fronts pod at Instagram.com. That's also our email once and fronts pod at gmail.com. If you yeah. want to send us an email and conveniently enough, our Patreon is patreon.com slash once and fronts pod. So you just have to remember one thing and then you yeah. can reach us everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, like hit us up, send us a bag of rubies. Uh, give us that review. Give us some fucking stars. Give us some stars. Download the episode. But also, on the topic this week, if you've ever had a wild nightmare that has stuck with you, I would love to hear about it. I know not everyone likes hearing about people's dreams. I like hearing about people's dreams. And speaking of dreams, a, a, a nightmare came to an end this week. And this will be the first episode... Uh, that Britney is free. Oh my God. Britney is free, y'all. So, you Britney guys. is free. Paris Hilton is married. Like, the earth is healing. The, the, the earth is healing. Um, so, what do, what do we say to all the nightmare bitches out there? Oh my God. To all of you nightmarish bitches, blessed 
be, bitches. And blessed be, you scary bitches. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye now. What are they going to do? What are they going to do? Talk to HR? I'm HR. <laughs> You're HR. We're yeah, HR. I, I'm HR. Uh... Yeah. Oh, you want to talk to HR? We're right here. <laughs> Tell us more. Tell us more. <laughs>